glad to see everybody here today. If you would stand with me as we as we go to the Lord in praise. God, we ask that you would be glorified by this service. Lord, accept our praise as we come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Alas, and did my Savior bleed. Alas, and did my Savior bleed. And did my sovereign die?
It's when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And the morning breaks eternal bright and y'all for coming uh, you know I'm just uh, we got a lot of things to be thankful for I know I'm thankful uh, I'm thankful that we was able to as all of you know Kay was in the hospital last week and, and uh, I'm just thankful that God was able to show us that she was fixing to have a major issue if we didn't get it taken care of and you know she came through the surgery good and she's still hurting a little bit but you know She's still here, so that's the main thing. You know, there uh, even we have a we have a lot of things to be thankful for, guys. I mean, that's that's just it. I mean, I'm thankful that she's still here to for me to aggravate a little bit. You know, I mean, I have probably a lot she would say, but you know, I'm thankful for all of y'all that y'all are here. I'm thankful for that. Uh, y'all don't know how much y'all all mean to me. I'm just thankful for all of y'all. So let's praise him. Sing, sing over us with the voice of our 
with the sovereign arm of mercy, we will dwell in the shelter of time Lord God we come to you and we thank you Father Lord we thank you for your presence Lord we love you we love you this morning Lord, we praise you Lord we ask that you would have your man that's our future right there man That's that stuff right there. That excites me. I like stuff like that, Miss Gina K. To see a zeal and a a a willingness in our youth to to do the things of our Lord. That's that's an amazing thing. That's why we do what we do here. It's for us, edification of the body. We know what the word says, but that generation that's coming up. That's one of the that's one of the most well-known commandments that the Bible gives us is to train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, the Bible says they will not depart. We all know that. We can, we can quote that. But that is the commandment that we find, especially as parents, that we neglect sometimes. And we have to be careful for that. It's very easy to get trapped in the mundane, the mundaneness of life and just try and make it. Well, if we could just make it to tomorrow... You know, if we could just make it to tomorrow and the next thing you know, it's a week has passed and you haven't spent time in the Word, you haven't prayed, you haven't sat down with your family. That One of the worst things that could ever happen to a family is that we don't spend time with each other within our home. That's, what, that's the schemes of the devil. Is he's made life so fast-paced that we don't sit down with our family. Families rarely eat together. We, we rarely do life together. We operate around each other, but we never stop and look at each other. You have to be careful for that. Ever vigilant, the Bible says. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because our adversary is out there. Just as it is in this church and in the church, we're, we're torn apart from the inside out, not the outside in. It's the same thing with the family. It starts with the family. Let us be mindful of the family. 
stuff like that. You know, it's just a piano. But it's way more than that. It's way more than that. Amen. Stand today. Turn to Mark chapter 14. We're going to continue. Please grab your Bibles because I I just remembered that I... Hey, look at there. Man, somebody is on it. Doing good. Nope, that's last week's. Let's take that off. Turn with me to Mark chapter 14 and read along with us. I forgot to put the scriptures on this morning. But that's okay. The old way still works. Mark 14, we're going to start in verse 53. We're going to read 53 and 54. And then we'll go down to verse 66. We're picking up on the betrayal of Peter this week. So Mark 53, verse 53 reads like this. They led Jesus away to the high priest and all the chief priests and elders and the scribes gathered together. Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the officers and warming himself at the fire. Going down to verse 66. As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus for the Nazarene. But he denied it, saying, I never knew nor understand what you are talking about. And he went out onto the porch. The servant girl saw him, and began once more to say to the bystander, This is one of them. But again he denied it, and after a little while the bystanders were again saying to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean also too. And he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man you are talking about. Immediately a rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had made the remark to him before a rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he began to weep. Lord, we thank you for what you've already done in this service. Lord, that just a few moments spent with you in prayer is more than any of us can do in ourselves. Lord, but I ask that you open our minds, O oh God, that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see your word. Today, help us to understand as we look through passages like the denial of Peter. Let us not look with condemnation, but to look with sorrow and to make sure that we understand that just as Peter, we too are in danger. Help us, O oh God, to stay vigilant, to stay in prayer, Lord, so that we can honor you in these times of weakness. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. The denial of Peter. One of probably the most known passages of, of Scripture, especially through the Gospels. You have those, those hot passages like walking on the Sea of Galilee, or feeding the 5,000, or feeding the 4,000, or casting out of 
legion, the many. This is right up there with, with that. Everybody knows that Peter denied Christ. Not only did he deny Christ, but he did it three times all before daybreak. A warning that he had been given just hours before this. You will do this, Peter. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows twice. You will deny me, Peter. And Peter said, what? No, I won't. I'm not going to do that. I'll die for you, is what he said. Not knowing that he's prophesying his, his future. He will die for Christ. But he's not going to do it tonight. He's going to deny Christ three times. But I want us to keep in mind as we read this, the end of verse 72. It said that he remembered what Jesus said. He remembered the words of Christ and he wept. That's an important detail. A lot of this world both knows and understands the words of Christ. But there's no weeping. They don't care, Miss Eddie. They're apathetic to the things of God. They would rather just continue doing what they want to do, even with the warning, you are going to do this. J.C. Ryle said this on his commentary uh, for this passage. I liked it. I'm going to read it. A shipwreck is a melancholy sight, even when no lives are lost. It is sad to think of the destruction of property, a disappointment of hopes which generally attend it. It is painful to see the suffering and hardship which the ship's crew often have to undergo in their struggle to escape from drowning. Yet no shipwreck is half as melancholy a sight as the backsliding and fall of a true Christian. Though raised again by God's mercy and Ultimately saved from hell, he loses much by his fall. Such a sight we have brought before our minds in the verses we have now read. We are there told that most painful and instructive story how Peter denied his Lord. Let us learn in the first place from these verses how far and how shamefully a great saint may fall. We know that Simon Peter was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was one who had received special accommodation from the Lord's lips after a noble confession of his Messiahship. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He was one who had enjoyed special privileges. He had special mercy shown to him. Yet, here we see this same Simon Peter so entirely overcome by fear that he actually denies his Lord. He declares that he knows not him whom he had accompanied and lived for three years. He declares that he knows not him who had healed his own wife's mother taken him up into the Mount of Figuration and saved him from drowning in the Sea of Galilee. And he not only denies his master once, but does it three times. And he not only denies him simply, 
but does it cursing and swearing. And above all, he does all of this in the face of one of the plainest warnings, and in spite of his own loud protest, that he would not do nothing of the kind, but rather die. These things are written written to show the church of, of Christ what human nature is, even in the best of men. They are intended to teach us that even after conversion, even after renewal of the Holy Spirit, believers are compassed with infirmity and liable to fall. They are meant to impress upon us the immense importance of daily watchfulness, of daily prayerfulness, of daily humility, so long as we are in the body. Let him that thinks he stands take heed, lest he falls. It's where we are today. Peter has made so many confessions here. As we read through the Gospels, it's Peter who stands up ultimately becoming the spokesman of of the twelve, as you will. We learned this morning in Sunday school, he's not the first one to declare Christ as Lord, not the first one to say that he is the Son of God, but he does become, Peter becomes the spokesman of the twelve. He stands up and he declares, and we went through it in Mark uh, chapter 7, chapter 8, where he stands up and he says, you are, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah, you, you're God in flesh, you are the Son of God, you are the one whom we've been looking for, says Peter, says the, says the other eleven. Scriptures are clear that while we may have days or seasons of great faith, we may also encounter days or seasons of doubt and weakness in that same faith. Make no mistake, beloved, you're able to fall. It doesn't matter who you are, what position you have, how long you've been in Christ, how few days you've been in Christ. Pride comes before a fall. If we stop doing the things of God, if we stop following His commandments, if we stop praying, if we stop fasting, if we stop reading our Word, if we stop doing the things that we know to do are good, you will fall. A backslidden Christian is a most dangerous place to be. The chastisement of God is somewhere we do not want to be under. You don't want to be found in the hands of a living God, especially as a child of His. I don't want to correct Richard Paul, and Richard Paul is learning very rapidly. He doesn't want to be corrected by me. I don't like to do it. I know I need to do it. He's learning that there's worse things than spankings. There's ways to get through to children. Sparing the rod isn't necessarily a one-way street. Each child is different. Correction is what a child needs, and you have to find that avenue, Miss Eddie, of how to to speak to your child. And I'm learning that my child would rather take a beating than work out for ten minutes. He, he, he 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 would rather me whip him with a literal rod 
than to stick his arms out for 30 seconds. There's ways to break a child. That's for a different sermon. But, Brother Chad, I don't want to do that. I really don't. I want him to behave. But I know there's a process to that. I know that he's going to fall beneath my standard. I know know that going in. That my five-year-old isn't going to live up to what I want him to be. I have a perceived notion. I have a standard that I want my child to be. And he's going to fail that standard. But it's my job to both lovingly and correctively build him up to that standard. Now, for me as a parent, I need to set the standard right. I don't need to hold a standard so high that he cannot meet it. But at the same time, I don't need to hold a standard at all to where whatever he does is okay. Right? The good thing about our Heavenly Father is it's a right standard. He understands He's both just and loving. And all He asks is for us to be holy as He is holy. Oh, hold up. Wait, what? I'm going to fail at that. God knows. He knows. And the chastisement of our loving Father is a horrible thing. But it builds us up to this standard. Ultimately, a ascending to perfection and glory. That's what we're doing in this life is we're, we're dying to self less and less of sin. Not sin less, but sinning less. Ultimately, being with our Father. We don't have to fall, but we are going to fall. We need to understand that first off. You're not a perfect person. There's only been one of those. He died for you. But we need to also understand that it's not okay to fall. I don't need to just say, well, when I fall, God's going to chastise me. He's going to punish me a little bit and then He's going to lift me back up. That's exactly what's going to happen. But woe to you who, who is in the hands of a living God. That millstone is heavy. Being broken upon a millstone is better than being crushed. We understand what the Word of God says, but look into that verse. Being broken isn't a good thing. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, heaven is my home. But the brokenness of a vessel, a prideful vessel. Peter is understanding that right now. The same man who showed great faith, he stepped out of a boat into a raging sea and walked on the water. Now he's denying that same person who grabbed him and pulled him back up. That just one verse later, they're in the boat and they're all worshiping him saying, surely you are who you say you are. Peter. The same one who stepped out of the boat is the one who's denying. But this is also the same Peter. I want us to understand we have a warning and we have hope. This is the same Peter who stands up in the second chapter of Acts and preaches and 3,000 are saved. Who who goes on to be an apostle of Jesus Christ who is the, the head of the church. He is the preacher of the church to the Jews. Just as Paul is the preacher to the church of the Gentiles. This is the same Peter. He, he's reestablished, but the, the chastisement. There's a reason for the weeping. 
The season in which Peter finds himself tonight is a horrible place to be. It's a place that Peter did not want to be. But yet he's there. It's a place that Peter wishes he could not be, but he's there. It's a place that Peter knows only Christ can pull him out of. And he's there. And he's not going to be there for long. See, this is very much a sight-driven time in, in this time. They have Christ. They have Emmanuel. God's with us. He's going to establish His kingdom. This is going to be a fantastic time. And then he dies. And Peter, Christ is gone. And he's denied Him. And he's in this place of sorrowfulness. And Christ is gone. I need us to understand that. What am I going to do? The, the, the only one that could help me in this, He's gone. We find passages in the Gospels where Peter says, He's gone. I guess I'm going to go back fishing. I mean, I've denied Him. I did the same thing that Judas did. I'm, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to go back to what I know. I guess this is life now. I guess I'm just, the last three and a half years of my life have been for nothing. I guess I didn't learn anything. He's gone. But he's found in the boat. And Christ comes. He builds a fire. And he calls out to him the same thing that happened at the beginning of Peter's ministry. Hey, launch out in the deep. Cast your net on the other side. They take in a big draw of fish, right? So big that two boats can barely handle it. They're about to sink. They're trying to get back to the land. Now, Christ has done, been scourged, punished, crucified. He's rose again. There's eyewitnesses to that. And Peter's fishing. But not just Peter. That's what I want us to understand. We focus on Peter. They're all doing it. Every one of them. They don't know what else to do. And Christ calls out and says, Hey, it's me. And they go, huh? The ignorance of man. Christ is gone. He's gone. I guess, I guess, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. And he says, cast out your net. And it isn't, read the Gospels. It, it, isn't, it isn't until they start to pull the fish up and they can't hold the nets that they all go, hey, I bet that's Jesus. And Peter has to first grab clothes because he's naked. See, he's done reverted back to what he was. Do a word study in nakedness in the Bible, and it is nudity. I mean, that's in there as well. It's being unclothed, but spiritually, it is being far from God. I'm naked. I'm exposed. I don't have the covering that I have. See, Peter is naked before the Lord. Right now, spiritually, he's weeping, he's sorrowful, he is being laid open before God. But the, the significance is, he figures out that's Christ. And the first thing he does is cover up. He jumps and he swims to Christ. And then we know the restoration. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. But see, Peter understood where we started in verse 54. Peter followed him at a distance. 
This was the same guy that was with him on the mountain when he was glorified. Couldn't get any closer to Christ. The one who was pulled out from the twelve, Peter, James, and John, the leaders of the group, to go to places that the others didn't go. To see things that the others didn't see. To know things that the others didn't know. They've got inside information. This is Peter. And now he's following him at a distance. Where temptation comes. Where weakness is. Stay close to Christ and in your moment of temptation, you're strengthened. Follow Christ. Try to be a follower who follows at a distance. And when temptation comes, you're overwhelmed. The waves of life, you start to understand, hey, this is real. This is life. This is horrible. And you fall. This is the same Peter who had great confessions of faith recorded like this in Matthew 16, 15 and 16. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. John 6 and 66 through 69. I want us to see three great confessions because there's three great denials, right? As a result of this, see, Christ had just laid down some pretty hard sayings. His followers said, hey, Rabbi, that's some hard sayings. As a result of this, many of the disciples withdrew and were not walking with Him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? And then verse 68 Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. That's pretty good, right? You're speaking for God, but he doesn't stop there. We also believe, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Confession 2. Confession 3 is Mark 14, 27 through 31. We just read this a couple weeks ago. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. This is the warning. You will all fall away. Not you might. Not, hey, there's a temptation coming up and you could go one way. You will fall away. Why? Because it's written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. There's both a warning and hope in the same sentence. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away, yet I will not. It's a pretty bold statement. That's an oath if you look into it. He he made an oath to Christ. I will not fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, that this very night before a rooster crows twice, you yourself will deny me three times. But Peter kept saying insistently, Yeah, 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 Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all were saying the same thing also. I understand that you're the Holy One. 
I understand that you speak for God. I understand that not only do you speak prophecy, you are prophecy. And I know you just said that I will do this. But what I'm telling you is I will not do this. That's where we find ourselves a lot. We've all made those promises, right, in our prayer closets. Lord, I'll never, I'll never do that again. Lord, I learned my lesson that time. Oh God, I won't do that again. When what we really should be saying is, Lord, help me, a sinner. Lord, I've done messed up again. I know I shouldn't have done it, but here I am. I've done it. I fail. Help me. See, a life of repentance is way better than I statements. Because what you're actually saying when you say, I won't ever do that again, is you're saying, God, I got it. I'm in control of myself. I have self-control. I can, I can withstand both the enemy and myself. I, I can handle it. I got it. Thanks for boosting me up this time. I was kind of weak, you know, a week ago, but I, I got it now. I'm good. When Christ is saying you, you're not good, you don't have it, you're going to fall, be watchful, be prayerful. See, we have a warning. None of this happens without our, without our knowledge. Christ has told each and every one of us, be watchful, be praying. You remember last week when we were in the garden? Okay. Jesus has already told Peter he's going to fall away. He's going to deny him three times, three separate times. This isn't, this isn't a one-time instance where somebody just comes up to him, the servant girl comes up to him and says, hey, are, are you a follower of Christ? And he says, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. This is three separate times between the hours of 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock. We're going to see that where three separate conversations with these same people where he's given both the opportunity to deny Christ or to stand up for Christ. See, while this is going on, there's a mock trial happening for Christ. We remember that last week? This is all happening when Jesus is standing before the Sanhedrin and they're saying, who are you? And he has nobody to defend him. And, and all of the laws that are being broken, they're, they're meeting at night, all this is happening. But the real trial is happening in the courtyard where Peter is on trial, not by the Sanhedrin, but by a little servant girl. When all he has to do is stand for Christ. But he falls to temptation. The why behind that is because they failed to listen to what Christ said. Pray so that you don't fall into temptation. It's coming. Be prayerful. There's a warning always. But the problem is, that's why that proverb says pride comes before a fall. See, the warning is there, but I got it. I'm good. So he would do all this before the rooster crows twice, looking into it. Uh, the Roman changing of the guard was signaled by trumpets, just as the Jewish changing of the temple guard would have been by trumpets. They all had different uh, different bugles, different calls. Latin, which is the common tongue of the soldiers, come to coin this phrase, the signaling of the trumpets, to mean rooster crowing. Okay, So this happened at 3 a.m. and at 6 a.m. At 3 a.m., there was a changing of a guard. Rooster would crow. 
In other words, there would be a bugler and he would bugle. At 6 a.m., same thing would happen. Jesus was telling Peter before the second changing of the guard, before daybreak, you're going to deny me three times. Warning of our Lord, he didn't stop in the upper room. He continued into the garden where he repeatedly told all of his disciples, Peter included, keep watching, keep praying that you may not come into temptation. And even adds, looking at the scripture, knowing that the true heart of his followers was not to fall away. This isn't something that they wanted to do. That's the difference between someone who is a true believer and someone who is not a believer, someone who comes up against hard times and then flees. Think of the sower and the wheat, those that shoot up in the rocky places and they're good for a while, but when it gets hard, they just they go away. This is good ground Christians. We don't want to fall, but we find ourselves in these places sometimes. Christ understood that when he added, not only pray and watch, or watch and pray because you're going to fall into temptation, but he says, because the spirit is willing. I know you want you want to do what I'm telling you to do, but the flesh is weak. It's weak. The same warning goes out to each of us today. Be watchful and be in much prayer that when the time comes, we do not fall into our sin. God has made a way out of every temptation. We just have to be humble enough to take it and to see it. Peter, he didn't have to deny Christ. Nowhere is it written in Old Testament prophecies other than Judas, there was going to be a betrayer, but Peter didn't have to do that. It wasn't foretold that Peter would do that, except for the fact that they would all fall away. But the others fell away. They didn't deny Christ three times. They just fell away. Right? Peter didn't have to go through this, but yet he did because of pride. Peter fell in his weakness. And that weakness isn't necessarily something that we see as sinful. It wasn't like he, he went and got drunk or, or he went and cheated or, or, or any of that. He, he fell to his weakness. In this instance, his weakness is fear of men. He, he feared men over God. That's what a true Christian faces every time that we fall in some way or another, it's because I don't fear God rightly. I allow self to rise up. I start to look left and right. I take my eyes off of Christ and I find myself in the midst of the waves drowning. We fall the same way. Peter failed to his weakness because he failed to heed the words of his master. We fall the same way. Christ told him, you're going to do this. And he said, no, I'm not. And then Christ again said, hey, pray. Remember what I just told you? It's coming. The, the, your time of weakness is coming. Pray. But Christ knew that they, they wouldn't. They were sorrowful. They were sleeping. We're no better than Peter. We need to understand that. We're, we are no better than Peter. And He is no worse than any of us. 
we shouldn't condemn Peter for what happened here. We should love Peter because we see the same thing in, in our churches. When, when we fall, do we love that person back into right standing? Or do we just condemn them, write them off and say, well, I guess they never was. We have to be careful about that. But then there's hope. See, Peter was denying Christ to the point of cursing and swearing. That's both using of harsh language and of oaths. Okay? Peter not only cussed, right? There's a difference in cursing and cussing. He he used foul language. He used harsh language. He declared to all who heard him that what he said was true. In other words, he said, let God strike me down if this is false. He, he, that's what he did. He said, God is my witness. I don't know the man. It's a big deal. We don't have time to cover that. Maybe we'll cover it in a different sermon or, or lesson. That's a big deal. May God strike me down if I'm telling a lie. It's a big deal. We have that same saying today. You go, I would never say that. Like, oh, that's, I would never do that. First off, never say never. Second off, we have the same saying. If I'm lying, I'm dying. How many has ever said that? Man, I'm tell, if I'm lying, I'm dying. That's an oath, y'all. We've dumbed it down to make it less than. We don't use the word God, but that's exactly what you're saying in your heart. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm telling the truth. I swear. You swear to who? Swear to what? We just don't say, well, I swear to God, but that's what you're saying. Be careful with your oaths. God takes them personal. Beloved, what I'm saying is Peter is no different than, than you or I. He's an apostle. Yes, he failed. He said the same things that we've all said at one time or another. Peter, he was given direct warning. And it says that he remembered the words. See, he's denied. He's cursed. He's swore. And then the cock crows twice. He hears the sound and he remembers. He remembers the words. He remembers what Christ said, you're going to do this, Peter. And the Bible says that he went off weeping. Other versions went off weeping bitterly. Godly sorrow. He wasn't sorry that he did it. He was sorry he was did it. But he was sorry. He remembered, he remembered who he's hurt. It's Christ. He's denied his Lord. Beloved, the warning is true. We're able to fall if we don't heed the words of our Lord. What is also true is that even in our fallen state, we are not left alone, but rather we are ever in God's sight. That's the scary part. God doesn't leave us alone in the fall. Praise God. God doesn't leave us in the fall. Woe to me who has fallen. Woe to me who is in a 
cold state, who has drawn cold, who is backslidden from what I know because God is going to chastise us. He's going to lovingly correct us. He's going to pick us up, but the places in which we have to go, the things in which we have to endure, the sorrows, they don't have to be. We can walk with Christ. So where are you today as we stand? Are you like Peter? Making grand confessions of Jesus? Are you on the mountaintop? Are you in your season of great faith? Christ is Christ, and I'm going to tell everybody about it. Are you like Peter, falling, failing to heed the Master's warning, failing in their weakness? If so, the Bible says that there's hope for us. There is hope. We're not one and done. We're not... Two and done, three and done, four hundred and done, five thousand and done. Thank God. There's hope for the Christian in Christ, whether in a triumphant state or a backslidden state. God cares for us. He cares for us. Don't play around with the chastisement of our Father, though. See, the worst thing that I'm going to tell on Richard Paul, I was correcting him. He's been talking in, in class and making a ruckus and doing, and, and, and I, I, I was spanking him, Brother Josh. And he, he went a couple days where he was getting what they call cards. I, don't, I just went to the principal's office. I don't know what the, they do, yellow cards and red cards now. And, and uh, he, he got a card. This is about day three. But he, he had a rough week, and... And uh, I said, well, he was eating a Pop-Tart. I said, well, finish your Pop-Tart. Because when I get through with you, you get, I need you to eat that Pop-Tart. You know, I need your strength. And he set the Pop-Tart down, and he grabbed the belt, and he said, let's get it over with. Boy, and I knew right then. So in the providence of God, Dad just happened to be calling me at the time. I picked up the phone. I said, well, what do I do with your grandkids? Like, I don't know what to do. And he kind of laughed. You can hear him almost lean back and smile. He said, you got to figure out how to break him. So that's what we've been doing, Brother Chad. We've been trying different things. I, Ronnie's been helping me. And let me tell you, they're effective. They're working. Y'all got it figured out. He does not like exercise. Just, just whip me. Just whip me about day two of, of kneeling down, putting your nose on the wall and flying and squats and all that stuff. He said, just whip me, Daddy. I said, absolutely, son. And he got up, and I went over there, and I just kind of spanked him a little bit. I mean, not just and he, his smile was on his face. It was over, and I said, now, go get back on the wall. <laughs> There's ways to get through to us, but that's a, hor- that's a horrible time for him. All because he disobeys. I hope this is ringing home, but it is for me. I don't want to be found on the wall with my father looking over me and then looking up at him and saying, can I just have a lesser punishment? Sure. Absolutely. You're still going to go through this too, though. Can it just be this way? Yeah. How long are you going to disobey? 
See, that's the thing. If Richard Paul would just come to me with sorrow in his eyes and say, I'm sorry, that's what really broke him. See, after he worked out, his legs was jelly and his arms was flailing and, and he could barely do like this because his little heart was just broken. I made him sit down and write an apology letter to his, to his teacher. I'm sorry for lying. And he had to sign it. And that was worse than anything that I've ever done. Because that's, that's real. That's life. And we got to get to that point. And God drives us to that point to where you say sorrowfully, I'm sorry. Then our Father goes, now, now I can build you up. You now see, and I can, I can lift you up. Some of us are hard-headed, and it takes a while. What I'm saying is, know that you can fall, that you will fall, but that we must repent. Lord, as we come to You today, looking at the passage of Scripture, O oh God, that we don't want to put ourselves into, but that we must put ourselves into. Help us to heed the warnings, O oh God, that You've laid out for us. Lord, that in our times of weakness, we can be strengthened by You. Humble us, O oh God, beforehand so that pride doesn't creep in. Help us, O oh God, in our sin. And we know that You will. That's our blessed hope today. That You don't leave us alone. That we're not in this by ourselves. That we're not battling things that we cannot see within ourselves. But that it's a Spirit. And that Spirit is You who is working in us, through us, and for us. We thank You for this. We honor You and we praise You for Your heavenly name. Amen.